It's February 16th, 2020, and welcome to episode 29 of the Baby Metal Podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future products of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Welcome back, people. And Garrett. Hello. So, as I think we announced at the end last time, but um, as we have announced in various places, our plan for today is to largely spend the time talking about the song Ijime Dame Zetai. Turns out, there's a ton of stuff to say about that, <laughs> and stuff, yeah. interesting stuff to <laughs> discuss, and you know, stuff I learned along the way that I didn't know before. Um, so we'll get to that. That's probably going to take most of the time. Uh, but there's a little bit of recent news and possible speculations. I think mainly news that we could talk about before we do that. Uh, as we foretold, uh, the European tour started. <laughs> so very proud of ourselves for that. Um, but yeah, so it started in Stockholm almost immediately after we recorded last time. And that was on February 3rd. And since then, they've been in Oslo, Copenhagen, Hamburg, Paris, Vienna, Cologne, Berlin. And they just, as we recorded, played in Brussels. Uh, so tomorrow is Tilburg, then Glasgow, and the list goes on. And on, and on, and on. It looks like they're just under halfway done. Yeah, I was I was going to say that. Like I, I even typed that into the show notes. And then I, I realized I didn't really know how to count it, because they added this stuff in Spain, and there's Poland. <laughs> you know, and they have <laughs> the Asia tour in the middle. So they have a lot of shows left. <laughs> yeah. Um, Busy year. Might be a and hey, mm -hmm. if you're in Europe and you're going to these shows, please stop throwing cups on stage. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, um, I was at the show in Boston where I think this happened the first time. <laughs> and I was very unimpressed with my, uh, with well, I was very unimpressed with the one who did that, at least. Yeah. Um, it, I don't think it really happened much since then but for some reason it's been happening a fair bit in these european dates um so today yeah, i think i was yeah i was reading just before we started recording i think two tonight in brussels i'd heard three heard of yeah what's going on in belgium yeah Come on, guys uh so i think i think it was worst so just to like back up just a second i mean like what what seems to be happening is that you know occasionally a drunk person will throw out hopefully likely empty you know cup onto the stage or whatever i don't understand what is supposed to be gained by this <laughs> i don't right but yeah. um perhaps it's you know actual like hooliganism of a sort i don't know but at any rate uh it's kind of annoying <laughs> you know because it's you, you don't want them on a slippery surface you don't want them to be hit, yeah. hit by things it's a huge hazard yeah especially Speaking on of any stage Speaking of slippery service, uh, one of the staff members came out and had to wipe the stage in the middle of the show. Uh, I forget where that was. I want to say it was in Austria or Germany. Oh, I think I did see. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, right next, right next to Moe, he came out with a towel and had to wipe the stage down yeah. in the middle of a song. Actually, it took, took quite a long time, too. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So I have to say that, um, I mean, I was saying this actually just before we started recording, that I have been, I feel like I've been kind of... Uh, not keeping up as much as I as much as I ought to. Like these shows are just coming at such a rapid pace. Yeah, I've come to the point where I just assume there's a show tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. That it's, it's a different, you know, it's sort of a different time zone 
now too. So it, it winds up being sort of early in the day and I, and I miss them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So anyway, hopefully, you know, the cups will stay where they belong in the and audience in, in the trash or in the hands of people yeah. in the venue and not in the air. Yeah. Anyway, don't do that. I mean, obviously I imagine anyone listening to this is not doing that, but you know, if you see someone doing that, I would hope <laughs> give them a nice punch for us. <laughs> don't do that. But, yeah, but, but we don't actually condone violence. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, but okay, so there are some interesting things to say about what the like the the songs are in the European tour. So when last we left you, you know, Legend Metal Galaxy had just finished. We had been blown away by the like premieres of BMC and Omagenai, and then they went into the, and then they made it into the tour. <laughs> so yeah, I was not expecting back that. to being wrong. I think that's great. Um, although it's it's actually super funny to see, particularly Omaj and I, with this like little what what now looks like a, a TV sized screen behind them. <laughs> it's like a little tiny Yoakum. <laughs> it loses a little bit of the grandeur. Well, I guess he's probably still not tiny. I mean, that screen is still like what fifteen feet tall. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, yeah, a little different than the hundred feet by three hundred feet or whatever it was in Japan. I remember seeing the like you know I was I was watching. The Stockholm one was some interest because it was the first, and that was a little little venue. Oh, that was very small. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, I I forget actually how how big it was, but it was you know like five hundred people or something. It was like it was tiny. <laughs> Everybody was all smashed together on the stage. I don't think it was five hundred. Somebody somebody will know. There was a discussion about it. I want to say it was a, just a hair smaller than Portland, which I think was like eleven hundred. Okay. Yeah, so maybe I was thinking of 800, I don't know. But at any rate, yeah. visually still, it was very small. Yes. So, But I love the fact that we got, that we're getting to see so many, uh, you know, sort of close-up videos of BMC. Mm-hmm. Now that you guys have seen Homage and I and BMC, and I'm not the only one, what do you, what do you guys mm-hmm. think of it? Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with them a lot. I, BMC sounds a lot better than the album version as their songs normally do in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah a lot more metal like i feel like on the record it's i mean the open power chords and the chugs are great and all but it sounds kind of artificial but live it's just phenomenal yeah sure and to be fair on the album it probably is artificial <laughs> yeah I mean, just to blame them, but but um yeah it's uh and it, it is it's definitely interesting to see the the choreography is really interesting you know so who's sort of crouching down at the front. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. So I still, I mean, like we have, I still don't feel like I've seen great video of it, but um, still, I mean, I could see it now. Right. I, I, I don't think I found one that both has good video quality and good sound quality yet. Yeah. But mm. there is so much content. I mean, like that's, that's the thing. There may be several that are wonderful, but I mean, I just have not been able to keep up. It is really saturated. My Twitter feed is full after these shows of people putting videos up and retweeting them. Mm-hmm. And we're we're getting a lot of official tweets now too, because we you know like they've been often you know saying, "Are you ready to headbang?" in the local language and showing a photo of the merch <laughs> or the venue yes. ahead of time, and then thanking people at the end. And then after the show, they get the shot from behind the crowd with blue light. That seems to be the other standard one this tour. Yeah. 
and you know shouting baby metal and whatever rhythm yeah. is you know common uh, to the local country so i guess there was one exception they actually uh, took a photo in paris with the uh sign for the name of the venue i'm sure i saw that but oh yeah yeah no i remember now yeah <laughs> it really does blend together i can't imagine it really what it's is. like for them i mean they probably barely know where they are <laughs> but but oh and sue has been uh what is it i guess it's basically saying are you ready to jump right or something like that mm-hmm. like there's a couple things that she's actually said in the language of the you know the place they're in mm-hmm. so in french i guess i suppose in german definitely in swedish so yep Riho has been the Avenger for most of the time so far. Um, Momoko has been there in Berlin and Brussels, and that's that's it so far. But that's you know that's as far as we've gotten. But I think uh, if I counted it right, Riho was in the first seven, and Momoko has been in the, these past two. So, that sounds correct. Yeah, wonderful. Continue to see Momoko for the rest of the European tour before they hit Thailand. Maybe. Yeah. There was some speculation that uh, since it was kind of exam season end of the school year in japan that she's joined them later in the tour because she had finals or exams or something going on that makes sense and that's why we had riho for the first seven um but that's all wild speculation who knows what the real reason is sure and i I mean i could see even you know something like that might be even if it wasn't sort of forced on them like it could be just sort of convenient you know like Mm -hmm. uh i do kind of wonder in these cases whether everyone goes along to everything, you know? So like, uh, I mean, I guess if Momoko was busy, then, then obviously she wasn't in the early part of the tour, but, um, if everybody's available, I wonder if they travel along or whether they sort of just say, okay, I'm going to meet you in Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I mean, it'd be way more expensive for them to either allow them to travel around on their own dime or fly them home for a couple of days and fly them back. Not to mention, but that would, that would be awful on the body. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Going back and forth to Japan doesn't seem wise. <laughs> but, <laughs> so let's see, what else? Um, the, in, I mean, I, as I say, I wasn't following along that carefully. I noted down a couple of things. Um, Sue's mic didn't work very well at, at the beginning in Cologne, but I guess that got solved pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, there's a bit of a kerfuffle, I suppose, uh, in mm-hmm. Copenhagen when... Uh, you know, they we had sort of seen them play a couple of shows already, and they've kind of established what the set list was going to be. And then they started a little bit late, I think, and they skipped Shanti Shanti Shanti, mm-hmm. and we didn't know what to make of that. Um, did they play Starlight usually, or did they swap that in? No, that swapped in. Okay, yeah, it was swapped. Interesting. Okay, so it wasn't that it was shorter; yeah. it was just different. Correct. Mm-hmm. Huh. I can't yeah. really think of any reason why. So I had a th- I had a theory, okay, which Let's hear it. might have been busted, uh, because it's happened again. So my my thought was, okay, well maybe since they have the video wall, they had a corrupt video file for Shanti or something like that, um, or some technical reason, and they had to get a replacement sent to them, and that took a couple of days. Um, but then it came back and then disappeared again. The same song, Shanti. For a third time in Cologne. Yeah. So now I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, Metal Incarnate was noting this in the chat room, but, um, you know, I think of the, almost the first time we saw, not exactly the first time, but the first time many of us saw it well 
um, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti was at Glastonbury and the video wall was terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was just completely glitched out and then, and then, you know, off for half the time. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder if it's particularly taxing on, you know, the graphics processor or something. <laughs> it's, it yeah, seems who weird. But, but I mean, they went through, they've been through many shows with that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, maybe it was just to, you know, keep people's interest. I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah, I could see, I could see being kind of disappointed in not like if you, I wasn't at a show that they didn't play that and I wanted to see it, you know, mm -hmm. um, Starlight's great though. So I don't know. It was kind of funny because people, people always complain, oh, they never change up their set list. It'd be cool if they just did something different every night or every other week or something like that. And then a change happens and everybody's like, no, wait, not like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um, anyway, so, yeah. I don't think I have anything more to say about this, really, but um, it's really kind of cool to see them doing so much, doing so much that we can't follow them, <laughs> practically. Yeah. So I'll move on to the next thing, I guess. Uh, unless anyone had anything else they wanted to say about the European tour. Stop throwing cups. Yes. <laughs> uh, we got an announcement just recently. I don't know. I forget when it was, but, uh, you know, just a few days ago as we were recording that um, F Hero will guest with them again when they play in Bangkok, uh, March 22nd. So that's Woo nice. Exciting news. Uh, cynically, that might be just so that they'll sell the rest of the tickets. <laughs> but <laughs> um, no, but that's cool. I, I got to claim another victory here. I'm pretty sure I called this one too when they announced it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a big stretch. I think if I think if it No, it wasn't. If you had if you had said that F Hero was going to be in Brussels and that was right, then <laughs> that would have been That would have been really impressive. <laughs> but um so I assume he's not, not you know his only participation is going to be in Papaya but um yeah, it'll still be interesting to see what happens there to the extent that we do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay, let's see. There is another interview coming out. Is there doing? Is there something special about this one in in Spur? No, it's just another interview, and likely will be like all the other interviews we've had. Yeah, I was. I mean, we'll talk about some interviews at some point later on here, but um, you know, like older ones and things. But I wasn't surprised to see that uh, there are still interviews, as far as I know, that are not translated. So, yes, very. Uh, I, it's very motivating to learn japanese i guess <laughs> uh oh and then uh the metal galaxy score the official score um was announced also i'm very excited for this yeah i think it comes out to like just over 38 dollars and i'm probably gonna get it yeah uh this is uh like it's yamaha some yamaha and then some other letters yamaha mm music moguls i don't know but um <laughs> uh so they've they've done these books for the previous two albums and there's also i think a, a sort of like a best of one that kind of has stuff from both of them um mm. and so if you i mean and it, it's the scores you know so if you want to you know they've got the lyrics they've got the guitar parts the guitar tunings so if you want to do covers this seems like if you want to do covers and you don't want to just sit there working everything out all 16 songs yeah we gotta wait till March though. March twenty first yeah. when it's set to be released. Right. You actually play, right, Garrett? So you can actually yes. play some of this stuff. 
Yeah, I've I learned Megatsune, and I learned like about forty five seconds of Road of Resistance, but that's about it so far. Right on. I think I have a little bit more technical skill to develop before I take on anything much more. <laughs> okay, what, you being... just can't dive right into this? No, like I'm still at the Metallica phase right now. <laughs> yeah, the Metallica is not... They have some technical chops as well. Oh, yeah. Some of them, at least. <laughs> but, um, anyway, yeah, so that's pretty That's pretty cool. Um, I have, you know, I've ordered it, but it's it won't be until March or whatever that it'll come out. But I have the other two. And, you know, I've I've looked at them and thought, oh, I should learn how to play these. <laughs> and that's about as far as I got. <laughs> I wanted to learn how to play the one for the longest time because I thought that was just the sweetest guitar riff ever. And then, like, I just stared at the tabs and just said no. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, actually, later on, uh, you know, so we're going to be talking about uh, Ijume Dami Zatai. And, and uh, there's... Um, there's a little series of videos. I'm not sure actually if this is even in the show notes anywhere, but um, Takayashi Omura uh, did a little, uh, basically like I think he was at a record store or something or you know guitar store and doing uh, lessons. So uh, he was, but he was also webcasting, and you know, so it was, you know, he was showing it to a camera, but there were also other people around. So he would, um, you know, he would actually sort of showed how to play all the different stuff, and <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty interesting actually hearing one person do it by themselves, you know, not in an arena or whatever, because it, it somehow mm-hmm. sounds slightly less precise. And it's funny because he's, you know, sings along with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that whenever I was attempting, attempting to learn this song too. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So then we can turn to the, the topic then. Um, so we decided to talk about Ijume Dame Zatai. Um, so this was, Okay, so I'll just say a couple of introductory things about it. Um, it was Big Metal's fourth single. It was the first that they had on a major label. Um, it was released at the beginning of 2013, and there's, it turns out, a ton of interesting stuff about this. So, um, uh, you know, as I, as you know, we were sort of looking into this, it's it, there may be more than we can actually cover sensibly. But I think you know, there's there are things that even people who have been around for a while uh, might not know about. Um, I certainly discovered some things. And I've been around a little while, <laughs> but uh, so I think it, the reason we thought about doing it was because this was the big surprise. Um, spoilers if you have, if you somehow don't know this, <laughs> but it was the big <laughs> surprise at the end of Legend Metal Galaxy. Yes. So they they played it with you know eight Kami band members and all of the Avengers and um, and I mean I think part of the thing that made that such a big deal was that they had they didn't play it at all in 2018 or 2019 and i think a lot of people thought it was just gone i certainly thought it was gone forever in the can yeah so and you know by gone we mean you can only watch it on existing dvds or you know blu-rays or whatever not right here play it again but uh one thing about this we so at some point in the past episode 14 i guess uh we we talked about interviews with koba metal and uh one of the things that came up in that was that the um, this is that their their the Big Metal's actual first song was Doki Doki Morning, which we talked about. I don't know what long time ago, <laughs> long time ago. But um, Ichime Dami Zetai was originally going to be the first one, um, and then Koba kind of changed his mind, decided that it was it sort of didn't differentiate itself enough from metal. It's too too normal metal, I guess. Too normal, yeah. 
imagine if they would have actually released HMA first, that their whole path through being a band could have been po- growing through popularity would have probably been drastically different. It's possible, yeah. I know. Or if at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. even. You know, so occasionally I do listen to the Sakura Gakuin al- albums, Message and Friends. Um, mm-hmm. And these are uh, 2010 and 2011, the first two uh, albums they put out. And each of them has a big metal song on it. And mm-hmm. they sound really weird in context. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, poppy songs about whatever. And then, you know, and then there's this like Doki Doki morning and then pop more poppy songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of wonder what people thought, you know, when they, when they were getting these originally, that would be a fun little thing to find out. Yeah. But each made dummies that I would be, like ridiculous in that context. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, I guess one thing I did want to say about it though is that this is super early. So, I mean, the reason I wanted to mention that thing about it maybe possibly having been the first one was um, that the I, this whole sort of concept of baby metal was still kind of new and you know just being kind of worked out. So, I think there's I think there's yeah I I have these theories about like what was in Koba's head originally and I will. I will restate them later, but anyway, the the plan as I have it in front of me is that we will talk about the release date details and the different versions. We'll talk about this song musically. We'll talk about the composers and lyrics, uh, lyricists, I guess, um, the video and the commentary on the video and the making of video, uh, the performances of it and possibly the choreography, the lyrics, um, a couple of interviews that were, that were sort of done in the lead up to the release of the single and then anything, any other sort of miscellaneous stuff that we <laughs> haven't covered by then. Yes. Um, and you can see just even from that list that there's a lot here. <laughs> so. Yeah, no kidding. But, uh, okay, so maybe we can start with the sort of the release spec- specifications, and I will hand that off to you, Kevin, to... Sure. Yeah, so the uh, single dropped on January 9th, 2013 in Japan. Uh, like Paul mentioned, it uh, came after... Doki Doki Morning and Headbanger. First big uh, release on a major uh, label. Uh, so that was very exciting. Uh, one thing I want to put out here, mm-hmm. when the single dropped, um, there was a lot of memorabilia that they dropped with it. Uh, not only were there, I think, nine, nine different versions or editions <laughs> of the CD. Um there was also posters and merchandise uh, and things you can buy. And a lot of this stuff, a lot of that stuff is particularly coveted because uh, some of it was signed. So if you see signed posters and things out there from this release and you have the money and you want to have something cool for your collection, definitely snag it up. Um, and you can actually see them all uh, if when you're all, all, both of you are in Japan in October. Uh-huh. Uh, if you go to a, tower records uh they have a lot of that stuff hanging kind of where they have all the other baby metal stuff at tower records is this is this the same as like the no music no idol time period or is that separate yep that's the same same era um so yeah let's see one two three four five six seven yeah eight eight different versions of this thing came out uh standard that came with a cd a limited edition that had a cd and a dvd which had the making of video um and a lot of this stuff is out there. You can find it on YouTube um, or other creative places. Uh, there was the uh, the limited ID and Z editions, um, which were CD, DVD combos. Uh, 
the D and Z had other songs on it, um, like Doki Doki Morning, Uki Uki Midnight, um, from some of their lives. Many different versions. You could tell that this was pretty early, I think, because that's why there's so much stuff, right? They just want to get as much stuff out as possible to get it, you know, in people's ears. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, imagine if they still did that kind of stuff, how poor you would be. Yeah. <laughs> but so they were they were coming from like Sakura Gakuin did this also. Right. I mean, so for those yep. early albums, uh, yep. at least let's see. Yeah. I mean. I forget actually how long it went. It, it went late, like to twenty fourteen or something like that, where they had they had the the basic one and then three different editions. So many versions, yeah, so, yeah. Cool and, rock. Mm-hmm. and yep. uh, so that's kind of the model that I see this as. So that like limited edition I, D, and Z, um, they're sort of they're sort of like black, um, and then each one of them has you know a different person's face on it. So mm-hmm. I is Sue and D is uh, Yui and and uh, Z is Moa. But they're not idols. Right. Why do they have so many different versions? <laughs> yeah. Why are they using the traditional idol model of putting merchandise in front of you when they release new stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. But, uh, uh, but they're, I mean, actually, the stuff is cool, though. I mean, they could have made it just art. So, for example, I have many different copies of Conqueror. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Yes. That differ only in art, but um, but I mean, so the um, you know, here they had they came with the limited editions came with DVDs, but the DVDs had different stuff on them. So there was you know not just the art, but also there's sort of content that you can get from mm-hmm. getting them all. There's an ultra rare version of this thing out in the wild, and I didn't actually know this. This was kind of cool. Could find um, the 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 promo version for uh, radios and review copies mm-hmm. is out there, and you can get it. Um. Yep. It has IDZ on it, Baby Metal Death, and the IDZ Nemesis version. Um, and I got to be honest, I can't remember what that version is. Do you, do you remember off the top of your head what that is? Yeah. Well, so, um, okay, so let's see. So that's actually the same. I think it's the same as what's on all of the limited editions, you know, IDZ, the audio. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. The Nemesis version has a different guitar part. Oh, interesting. I think we'll, I think we'll talk about that um, later. Um, when we talk about who's who's doing it, um, but I think it's well, I can say it now because <laughs> I'm looking at it. Christopher Amat. This is a person who's uh, a founding slash former member of Arch Enemy. So th- these connections oh, okay. continue. Yeah, no kidding. But um, but yeah, so I mean, the, the guitar sounds different. I mean, that's about it. You can sort of tell it's not the same guitar. Hmm. Uh, sort of, sort of. I think of it as kind of like louder and heavier, but largely the same the um right the uh limited edition i has the making of video which is interesting we'll talk about that later and also the music video i think the um other thing that is possibly sort of of interest is that limited edition z has the um uki uki midnight that is something close to the music video for that like if there's anything that counts as the music video it's that it's the performances from the corset festival Right, right. So the, uh, I'm sure almost everybody's probably seen these. That it's it's kind of like the performance, but then it's sort of intercut with some behind the scenes stuff where they're like in a hallway, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. or you know, shushing you or whatever it is. <laughs> You're doing whatever they do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other thing, yeah. the other thing that you didn't mention, sort of out loud here, is that um, 
the apart from the the standard and the right sort of regular limited IDZ, there are these promotional ones that I think. So I didn't realize this until I looked this up yesterday, but apparently they were only available to ticket holders for the Legend IDZ shows. Uh, but but you will have seen uh, these. So yes, 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 yes. They're they're um like green and blue and uh, what is what is Sue purple? I forget. Um, but um, they're sort of like very basic colors, and they and they have you know the individual's face on it out of costume, right? So it's just right. it's just sort of like you know Yui and Moa and Sue, and um, so. I did not realize that they were only available to ticket holders because I think of those as being rare but available. And I don't mm-hmm. understand why there are so many of them out there now. <laughs> I mean, they're expensive, but they're not. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, I've never seen one in the flesh. They're easier to find. It's, maybe it's a little harder to find them all three, but they're easier to find than the Megitsune ones, which we'll probably talk about someday. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I have them here somewhere. I think I actually, I think I have a little box that I put the, the more special ones in and I'd have to dig it out, <laughs> but <laughs> little lock box underneath the floorboard. Yeah. So I, I'll just mention this here. Um, I think it came up, it came up because, uh, Dwayne metal mentioned something in the, a video on here where he's explaining the lyrics and I will talk about that more later. But when you look at these things, uh, and there's also posters that kind of have the same kind of art on them. Um, you know, sort of down the side, it says, uh, Ijime Dame Zetai, written out in katakana, uh, for the most part, I guess. And, um, then they've got, you know, the, the person's face on it in this, mm-hmm. in this solid color background. And it turns out that there is a, um, there was like an anti-drug campaign that used, this is exactly that. Oh, right. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mayaku Dame Zetai. Dame Zetai. That's that. That's the catchphrase for this, which is something sort of like what in the U.S. we had is like, uh, just say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, that is totally weird. It um, it means that this whole thing, like the whole thing, is kind of a joke. I mean, like Ijume Dame Zetai is a play on just say no, basically. You know, which everybody knew at the time. <laughs> right. And these covers are just posters from that campaign basically <laughs> mm-hmm. it's yeah you were showing me this earlier and I, that was wild i had no idea yeah yeah I, i'd never heard of that before either it's interesting to hear about yeah i, I mean when you see these you should definitely look, we'll have to have some kind of link <laughs> to show what these look like because it's it's uh it's outrageous <laughs> um and actually if you think about the you know in the song zetai particularly shows up, you know, like that lyric shows up maybe like once or twice, you know, it's, it's not really part of the song, but, but that's the thing that ties it in with these, with these, um, uh, images. Right. So anyway, so I, I mean, that was just wild <laughs> to see those cause, and actually the funny <laughs> thing is when I did a Google search on this, you know, mostly I got the posters, but, but then also the, there's like the Moa cover too. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Wild. Anyway. All right. Well, maybe we can talk about the song a little yeah, bit. Yeah, perhaps we move on to the next section. So, uh, Garrett, maybe you can talk a little bit yes. about your thoughts on the song itself. My thoughts, I'd like to start off by saying that the runtime of the song is just over six minutes. That's not a bad time for a song, especially of this nature, in my opinion. I like longer melodic metal songs, and, and I think that's the genre I would like to call it, melodic metal. If <laughs> I'm sure people would disagree with me, but that, that's fine. 
Um, the tuning is in drop C sharp, which is a bit weird for baby metal. I don't think there's too many other songs they have written in this tuning. It's the same tuning as a band called Trivium. Trivium uses all drop C. Drop C sharp, rather. Huh. Um, I don't know if you guys want to get into this now or wait until the lyrics, but the overall meaning of the song, I think the better wait until the lyrics, but I feel like the whole the style of the song clearly represents matches the lyrics very well. I think if it, if they would have went any other direction with the with the song and this chord progression and everything, it would have sounded totally different. Obviously, but I don't think it would have worked so well. I think they chose the right the right tempo, the right everything. I think it's even the guitar solos, all the harmonies and the guitar solos are just phenomenal. They make your heart beat a lot faster. They're exciting to listen to. In fact, I had the main solo of this song as my ringtone on my phone for at least two years. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. It has a lot of components to it. I mean, you know, there's a... It's very complex. Yeah. It sort of starts starts slow and there's, you know, there's fast parts and then, you know, the parts that she's singing over, you know, she's she is doing melodic metal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I'd almost compare it to like, the Road of Resistance, and in being a complex song, contrasting to other songs like Megatsune, where it has a lot of repeating parts, like the chorus and the verses are the exact same, just, they just repeat one after the other, it's the same guitar parts, but the song's complex in the, in the sense that each thing connects to a different thing into a different thing to build the song up and up until the great ending, or into the great solo. Uh-huh. I was going to ask about this. So, there's, there's a thing that, you know, I think everybody kind of knows, um, which is that a lot of what Koba uh, gets inspired by are things that X Japan does, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't know X Japan very much. And I did want to talk a little bit more about that too. But I'm not familiar with X Japan okay. at all. Yeah. All right. So then you will not be able to answer my question. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> my impression was that they are also. I mean, I've seen little bits of little bits, you know. But my impression is that mm-hmm. they also are sort of. They're on the verge of mainstream, you know, for for metal. They were they were really well known in Japan. They were metal, but Japanese, but uh, also sort of melodic. I think was what the what the connection was basically. You know that. Um, okay. So what baby metal does is not it's not you know like what a lot of metal bands do as far as vocals go, but I think it's not super far away from what like X Japan does. If that makes any sense, you know. Like it's it's not shouting yeah. and growling. It's you know, yeah, it's yeah, singing, yeah, but with really yeah. cool guitar stuff in the background. Yeah, yeah, and I do know enough to know that X Japan is and was huge. I think they were one of the, I think they were one of the first acts to kind of make it worldwide out of Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've definitely heard of them. I'm just, um, I just, I couldn't name any of their songs. Definitely the first in the genre to make it big outside of Japan. Uh, I'm trying to think if there, I'm not sure if there's anything else that I wanted to to really touch on in the music I, I feel like the music itself uh like I, I don't pay as much attention to the aspects of that because you know everybody's all concerned about what the message is and all that stuff mm-hmm. but especially with this song but it's uh, yeah i will say i think it's i, I don't want to say generic but it's their most metal song in that it's not the typical fusion the message fits the mold of what the group is supposed to be but the style of the song doesn't really um, and just to go throw it back to why I think it was probably a good idea to lead with Doki Doki Morning, um, I think if this dropped first, it wouldn't have had the same impact as Doki Doki Morning. Mm-hmm. 
because it does sound just more like another melodic metal song. Yeah, no, I, I think probably Kobo made the right choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to jump too far back here, but I would like to talk about how, like, I brought up their tuning for the song as drop C sharp, uh-huh. comparing that to, like, the listing of the scores for Metal Galaxy is it's all seven string and eight string tuning, which is significantly lower than drop C sharp. Oh, so I, a little bit of progression there and then in the metal world, like when I think heavy metal, I think lower tunings and faster tempos. And I think they're starting to get the starting to get <laughs> on that page a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. So in the, um, if you go to the, like the product page for the sheet music, um, the band score stuff. I was surprised to see that, but they actually they have a pretty elaborate listing um, for every song, like what the instruments are and what the tuning, or at least what like how many strings your guitars should have. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one thing that was someone observed this. I I saw it, but I don't know how to cite it. Um, but um, none of them are nine. <laughs> like you don't need to buy the baby metal guitars to play any of these songs. <laughs> <laughs> a little ironic. See, that's the thing that actually, I don't know, the, the thing that would probably keep me the most from trying to play these things is just that the idea of having, I don't have enough guitars <laughs> to have one tuned for every song. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I can speak from experience here. I um, I have a thicker set of strings, so I can actually bounce from drop C to down at least a seven string standard on, on a six string, though I'm lacking the highest high E string, which is used in a lot of their solos. That's so I learned a lot of the main riffs, just none of the solos. That the in my mm-hmm. current, it's my current predicament. But I think the same could be said or achieved with seven string guitars going down to eight string tuning. Mm-hmm. But I think Starlight is an exception. I think you almost need an eight string guitar to play that song. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe this is the right. Maybe it's the right time to to move on to like the the people involved, you know, in in the creation of IDZ. So we actually have a fair number of uh, credits available to this. So composers, we have KXBX Metal, that is a thinly disguised Koba. Actually, KXBX Metal is also the one responsible for the uh, Unikitty theme. <laughs> we see through your lies. <laughs> um, I, every once in a while, I remember the Unikitty theme. <laughs> but anyway. My little sister was playing the theme from her phone. She She's a fan of baby metal and didn't even know it was baby metal. I'm not even joking. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> But okay, so um, composers, KXBX Metal, Tsubo Metal, and Take Metal. Lyrics, uh, Naka Metal and Tsubo Metal. And arrangement by Kyoto. I don't know. I'm, for for most people, that is semi-meaningless. But uh, it, I think it's interesting to see what else these people have done. So, you know, they they did IDZ. But Take Metal is actually also the person who's responsible for the music and lyrics for Distortion. So, um that's actually pretty recent. And also the music mm-hmm. for Shine. So that's cool. Um, Naka Metal was credited for l- lyrics on everything that's in this credit list, but um, Doki Doki Morning, uh, Headbanger, Akatsuki, and Yava. So these are people who have continued to work with them. Mm-hmm. Tsubo Metal, who did both music and lyrics on IDZ, was, let's see, responsible for Akatsuki music and lyrics and Sisanger music and lyrics interesting connections. Akatsuki, uh, it's Akatsuki sh- shares a lot of DNA. Uh, maybe not, you know, maybe the, I don't know if I can hear it, but a lot of the same people did Akatsuki and IDZ. Um, so Kyoto did the arrangement on Akatsuki, Amore and, uh, road of resistance. 
Uh, I don't think I had anything else to say about that. We already talked about the connection with Arch Enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just want to move on to the music video? Sure. I, there's a lot, of, a lot to say about this. Also, I'll start off by saying my favorite part of the whole thing was the hairy guy, as I'm pretty sure the show notes refers to him as. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've seen this music video probably two dozen times, and I actually never really paid attention to the ending to see him take off the baby bones mask. I didn't realize until after watching the um the commentary. Oh yeah. With Baby Metal talking over it that uh-huh. that he was that they after the magic solos played by Yui and Moa that he became a member of their rock band. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I, uh, to the extent that there's a plot to that video, I, I haven't absorbed it. <laughs> Is there one? Yeah, I don't mean, I, there, there's, there's a very thin one. I think it's, um, don't let people get you down. Tomorrow's a new day. Pick yourself up. Um, keep on being metal. Absorb the healing power of baby metal. Yes. But so the, you know, the guy with the hair, like people were being mean to him, burning his guitars and cutting his hair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so he was getting bullied. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty impressive looking, though. I mean, it's it might be the most impressive looking of their videos. I mean, Magitsune maybe is you know the, I guess the thing about Magitsune is it's sort of in a smaller setting. Um, IDZ is kind of it feels kind of vast. You know, they've got guys running around and fields and burning guitars and they're in this kind of like cave looking structure yeah there's definitely more scope to this video you you know you can tell by reading about it watching the making of watching the yeah. commentary on it which is incredible yeah uh that this was this was a big undertaking for them at the time it was definitely showed the hard work paid off i think this is definitely was a huge step in their history make a big stepping stone to making them who they are today uh-huh. very glad that they like honestly the filming in the cave was sweet i love that yeah. watching hairy guys run across fields is always pleasurable <laughs> to me I, I, yes so one thing i didn't know about the uh, music video was that uh, all the guitars that they burned and destroyed in the video they sent them out to like different tower records in different places and i guess they were signed mm-hmm. and that's insane. and you could win them like oh fa- I, and I don't know exactly the details on this but the, the way they mention it it's like they gave these away to fans at some point. Those are coveted items. So, right there. so are these out in the wild? Yes, I, I, that's what it sounds like. I had never heard of that or heard that before. Yeah, I thought that was kind of insane. Keep your eyes out in thrift shops, just in case you never know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I suspect that they're like they're probably all in known locations. Um, oh yeah, in glass. I've seen I've seen photos. Of, I know uh, I'm not remembering the details, but I've seen photos of one person one person who has them and i mean i've seen the photos of the guitar <laughs> not uh, the person but um like there is there's somebody who has i think i think someone in the u.s has one um uh, but i mean i'm sure they're not easy to come by um uh, because there were eight i've never even yeah i've never seen a picture of them yeah uh and and they're i mean they're mounted it's mounted on a stand <laughs> so mm-hmm. um it's not repairable <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty. That might be the most coveted pizza merch. Yeah, there is this commentary video. I think we might have mentioned it in previous episodes, but uh, it was included on the first press limited edition of the first album. Uh, so the CD. Mm. Uh, that's another thing. I mean, there are a million versions of this CD. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, and I should say album because I have at least two vinyls uh, also, or vinyl uh-huh. records for those who object to the use. 
of the words vinyl for these things. <laughs> but um but yeah, so so that there's a bunch of videos and things uh on that on the DVD that came with that, but one of them was basically just a, a commentary track. So they would they're talking that you know, Sue mm-hmm. uh Mo and UA are talking about just like what they're seeing on the screen. And it is great. I love how like they almost can't help but sing along during the chorus. <laughs> yeah. Dame, 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 dame. I mean, can you blame them though? It's probably hard drilled into their head at that point, but I mean, even I sang along, so. Right. Yeah. And I think, so I, we probably talked about this one because I did one of these for Doki Doki Morning. Um, and mm-hmm. they were doing it a fair bit later. I mean, it was clear that they thought of Doki Doki Morning as having been a long time ago when they were doing those commentaries. Yep. Um, but this one didn't seem as far back, I guess. But so, yeah, so they, they talk and there's a, there's a really great uh, blog spot blog that has translations of, of all the songs and a lot of other stuff. Um, do metal, do dash metal dot blogspot dot com. Uh, so definitely go there. If you are not aware of that, go check that out. Because um, all the songs are translated both, you know, so both sort of in regular English and then side by side with the Japanese and there's all kinds of notes. But uh, do metal also has a translation. I, I think do enki. Uh, uh, but anyway, do metal is the name of the blog. Um, and there's, hmm translations of all of the this commentary stuff uh and it has been embedded like i when i first came across this i it was part of it was already embedded as subtitles in the video out there on youtube somewhere but some of the notes are pretty interesting so the actual video was uh, filmed at the oya history museum which is a former quarry site right so you can actually sort of like go to the website and see photos of you know the photos of these things outside the context of the video. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I guess it's considered pretty cold in there. Like when it, here in the middle of the United States, caves are always a nice sixty degrees. So I guess over there, <laughs> it was cold inside caves or quarries. I guess it's a quarry, not yeah. a cave. Well, it's like yeah, it's open to the top. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. They kept mentioning that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of complaining about the weather. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. The costumes were sleeveless. <laughs> um, Making it, was muddy. it even colder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, rained on the previous day, and Sue, you know, was concerned about trying not to get mud on the cape, <laughs> and then apologized to the you know the stylists. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think it's even mentioned that they practiced it several times yeah. before actually getting it right, or even before filming it. The, the apparently there's like this open on the top, uh, like Kevin just said, and and uh, so like these dead leaves would occasionally come fluttering down and. Uh, Iwi and Moa had this little competition where they would they would try to I guess they would try to catch them uh, without destroying them, <laughs> right? Essentially, um, and uh, what's kind of cool about this is that there's a there's another video. Um, where does this come? Oh, it's on the um, limited edition I disc for the IDZ single. That um, it's it's the making of video. I think we have mentioned it before, but uh, so this this doesn't have any narration but it just shows a bunch of like sort of stuff as they were as they were filming it so you see it from different angles and see the camera uh you've seen i'm sure you will have seen many of these you know animated uh what should i call them gifs mm-hmm. yeah that's <laughs> it's the right fine. Yeah. you can never say it correctly on the internet yeah. paul don't even try yeah. it well i know i'm right but People, <laughs> people get hung up on the fact that you know like the the person who originally named the thing has some different opinion but it doesn't matter that person is wrong <laughs> correct also emacs is way better than vi 
that nobody's <laughs> few people are going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, uh, and that's it for this episode. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was, was going to say about the um, the making of though. You can see you can you can see some of the stuff that they were talking about in the commentary, which I think is kind of cool. So you can see them actually like catching the leaves and uh-huh. you know and looking cold. <laughs> um, and there's, so there's a place in the video. Um, I guess we didn't mention this, but the, but where where Yui and Moa actually get guitars and they're sort of like fake playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you know, that's kind of, that's kind of cool or whatever. It's obviously that they're not really playing. Moa does sort of a convincing ish looking job because she kind of knows how to hold a guitar. Uh, Yui. Well, I think they talked about that, right? Yeah. They said, I think they specifically mentioned Yui was like, yeah, you, you've, you've held a guitar. So we had you do the hard part <laughs> or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Yui said something like, uh, you know, she she hadn't taken lessons yet. After a lesson, she managed one song. So I'm not sure. What, uh-huh. I mean, I don't know what the status of her lessons are, but at any rate. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so if you if you find that sort of entertaining in the actual video, there's like even more of that in the making of. <laughs> so it's kind of mm-hmm. fun to watch that. I think also in the commentary, Sue mentioned that it was her first time acting without a mic, and oh, was yeah. worried what right. to do with her left hand. I mean. <laughs> I would be in the same boat. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, so um, this is sort of about the music video, but actually mostly it's about the commentary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all in one. Yeah. But okay, maybe we can move on. Uh, we could talk a bit about, I guess the next section here is about the performances. It's sort of lumped together like when it was first performed and maybe we can also talk a little bit about like the choreography if we can, if we have anything to say about that. Okay. So there was a trailer in 2012 teasing it. Baby metal, the dark heroine of the J-pop scene will present to the world a shocking world reformation <laughs> metal song. This is actually, it was actually <laughs> printed on the screen. It's goofy though. Have they done a teaser for anything since this that was, Kind of in to the that style, scale? yeah. No, that I wasn't just like so. a countdown. I don't think so. So there was there was a there's a pretty funny one. Uh, I think it was Toys Factory. It wasn't it wasn't Baby Metal proper, but um, that they did for Headbanger, which was this parrot. You you must know, oh. you must have seen this. Oh yes, I have seen it's like that. A, it's a parrot sitting there, and then somebody comes in and like turns on Headbanger, and the, the parrot starts going crazy. Right. <laughs> Why haven't I seen this? Uh, it's it's on the I don't know. official Toys Factory. YouTube site, so it's fine. I'll find this right soon. Yeah, so there's, uh, I didn't actually, I didn't go back and look at this, but um, this my my first heavy metal in Tokyo 2012. I have seen that, but it was a long time ago. Um, that is a, that's a little bit more substantive. That's not even so much a trailer, but they 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 kind of, I don't know, it's like an introduction to baby metal or something. Um, I want to go back and look yeah, at that's that. a weird one. I don't I don't know how to explain that one, but I guess it is the first time. Or we see IDZ, right? That my first heavy metal in Tokyo 2012 yeah, on the I Toys Factory so. YouTube, and then they went into teasing it. Anyways, like I said before, the the thing dropped on uh, in January 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was first performed at Shibuya Duo Music Exchange at an SG show. Yeah. So imagine being at an SG show, and then surprise, here comes a subunit heavy metal music club to rock your face off with IDZ, um, and they did it again at TIFF. Uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty good exposure because TIFF is a big event uh, out in Japan. They played it four times in 2011, um, a few more times in 2012, and then Legend Eye. Yeah, so 
by the time the single came out, it was was actually sort of known, right? But right, yeah. There's, so there's some there's a site that is often pretty useful called um, setlist.fm that will you know sort uh, yes. of like list the things. Absolute gem of a site. Yeah, I think in this case, Wikipedia might have them beat as far as as far as sort of like the details of this because it's right. not. I'm not completely convinced that Setlist.fm has has all of this quite right, but they also, you know, they they also had listed the first time the song was performed as uh, July 2011. At any rate, it's you know, it, it was for a long time. It was kind of in the context of Sakura Gakuin alone, um, and then they did right. Legend Corset, Legend I, Legend D. Right, but it definitely came, became a staple once it had debuted. You know, they were they were playing it at pretty much every show. Um, that they were doing up until I don't know what 2017 or so. The last time before January that we'd heard it was Legend S, right? So right, December 2017, right? Um, and that was a that was a weirdly lopsided performance. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it was a fan favorite for a really long time, and it was uh, it was played pretty frequently uh, up until like I guess 2017. And then it disappeared uh, until we got surprised with it back here in January, right? Which was the first time I got to see it live. So, one thing I meant to look up and I didn't, uh, and I don't know if either of you will know, um, but there's this movie. Well, there's this introduction that precedes the song usually, and mm-hmm. this movie that that sort of starts off with a kind of like a flying V type guitar scrolling yep. up the screen. I have yep. vague memories of this. Yes. Yeah. And well, that was the clue, right? At Legend of Metal Galaxy, when they oh, yeah. started doing this, that's when everybody flipped out. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I, I can't say they've done that forever, but if they've had a video screen available, I think they've always had the same introductory video. And it's actually really fun because for a long time, it, they started doing the narration in English, uh-huh. or Sue would read it in English, right? So you can kind of track her progression as an English language learner through her pronunciation <laughs> True. of the narration of this video, <laughs> yeah, which is pretty fun. It's actually pretty faithful too. Like uh, uh, the Doom Metal blogspot place um, has a translation of the intros as well, and the translation into English is pretty close. I mean, mm-hmm. um, was I going to say? Oh yeah, I, I guess I was. The, the question I ne- never actually got around to asking was basically just um, when that debuted. I was guessing that probably it was first shown at Legend Eye, but I haven't gone back to check. So I'm not sure. Yeah. So maybe I will say. It was first shown in Legend Eye, and then I will say, uh, it was first shown sometime after Legend Eye, and so you can edit in whichever one is right. (laughs) 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 Maybe that's it (laughs) Uh, on that part. Is there anything else we wanted to say about the the choreo? Um, There's one thing that I wanted to say about the the choreography, but um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about it? Choreography? Yeah. Um, It's similar uh, to Atsuki? which I think is really interesting because the songs are way different because it features basically a fight scene. Right. Right. Yeah. And then breaking up a fight. And it'd be really interesting to find out if it's supposed to be similar. Right. Or inspired by, because this would have come out first. Yeah, definitely. But, but, um, you know, back when we were talking about the people who were, who are responsible for for the song, uh, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of the same people involved in both of those songs. Yeah. Yeah. Want to be Mikiko. Right doing the choreography. Um, so it'd be, it'd be fun if someday we ever get a biography or anything like that to learn if, uh, how all of this stuff is connected, if it's supposed to be. Right. Um, 
Oh, I guess a notable performance. I do want to say, uh, Budokan has a notable performance of this song with some injury. <laughs> oh yes. Um, right. Sorry. You, you clipped out there, but yeah, I, I know what you oh, mean. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, yeah, Budokan's kind of a big deal. That was the kind of the biggest show they'd done at the time. Uh, and the, the song prior to that, was it the song prior to that? Yui fell off the stage. Yeah, this is, I mean, you know, the stage looked impressive, but <laughs> I mean, if you look no at the rails. thing, it's just, a, it's a total hazard. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, Yui, Yui falls off the stage and that was during, um, Headbanger, uh, if I recall correctly, cause they're out walking around, hyping up the crowd and, mm-hmm. uh, and she falls off the stage and disappears and they finish the song as a duo. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a pause, um, and they're going to end with IDZ. Uh, so the cloud grows wild because. If you're familiar with the choreography, Mo and Yui do the opposing run towards each other at the beginning of this while mm-hmm. Sue is screaming. Um, and that was the first time anybody had saw her after she'd fallen because nobody knew what happened to her <laughs> right. um, in her spot ready to run. And, and it's really cute on the on the video because they have a close up of her and she's got a big old smile and all the girls are smiling at each other like, yeah, I'm fine. OK, let's do this. And then to add insult to injury later in the song, Moa hurts herself somehow. You know, I don't think we'll ever know for sure what exactly happened, but it looks like she twisted an ankle or strained a muscle or something. Yeah. Because uh, she ends up in tears by the end of the song, and you can tell she's just fighting to get to the end of it, um, which is really, really impressive and really kind of heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because this is a very athletic song for them. To be honest, I, I think- almost never watch that. I mean, like, I pretty much just do not watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> for this reason? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen it a handful of times, but I was going to say about the choreography, um, I feel like it's one of the most high energy songs choreography wise that they have. Like, I can't, there's not another one that comes to mind where they're as much energy output as IDZ. Yeah. Yeah, they are working they're, hard. They're running it's... around fighting. Like, I, other than Catch Me If You Can, I don't think there's much other songs that have people running around. I mean, you know, they're a pretty higher energy band anyway, but... Yeah, overall, um, yeah, yeah. of course, but Um, even for them, there's a whole fight scene during a 45-second guitar solo. Right, yeah, I'm thinking, like, you know, Baby Metal Death, they run around a bit, but but it is, you know, it's not quite the same scale. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I think during the fight scene, so, you know, there are many things that I kind of wish I'd gone and looked up now, but um, I know there there was at least one show... Where, like, I, I guess they must choreograph these differently at different for different shows or whatever. But there was one show where um, I'm pretty sure it was Moa leaped over Yui. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was somebody leaped over somebody, but it was really it was kind of like you know flying kick. I don't, I I don't want to see the practice for that. <laughs> like, I don't want to see the rehearsals <laughs> that went badly. <laughs> I couldn't tell you where that was at, but I've definitely seen a GIF of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um. It's for it's freaky, you know. I mean, I suppose you know it's there. Yeah, <laughs> Just, where is it? So that's an example of high energy. But but yeah. So the um the other thing I was going to mention this came up again in uh, the Dwayne Metal things. But you know, so when they say dame, right? They they make this sort of like cross with their arms, and I, so I'm not actually sure. This is one thing I don't know is whether that's really sort of like part of the culture. I think it might be. You know, making an X with your fingers or your arms or whatever that signifies dummy like no right but the jump that they do is actually that's directly taken from extra pants <laughs> sure so um you know yet again it's a it's a thing that you know so, so the extra pan audience will hold their arms in that shape and jump and uh 
Big Metal will do this and, you know, jump while saying Dame. Anything else on the choreography? Nope, I think that's all I had to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, the lyrics of the song. I'm sure that I'm not going to hit everything that, that there is to say about you this. You really can't. <laughs> but, so there are a couple of translations that are worth looking at. So the Do Metal, you know, blogspot.com site uh, is a good one to look at because he's got the stuff that's sort of, he's got notes and he's got the side-by-side translations so you can kind of see what's going on. Um, the other thing, I think we've probably mentioned this before, but um, there's some there's someone on YouTube called Dwayne Metal, uh, Dwayne, uh, who I think he, you know, he, he, I don't know, I don't know, he teaches in a university. I'm not exactly sure where. I think he's in Japan. His English is great. In the back of my head, I want to say I found out, or he told us once, he's a native Japanese guy, uh-huh. university language professor, and I want to say he's a USC or UCLA. Yeah, or was see that's why I think we talked about this before because I think we talked through this. The one thing though is that at least in some of these videos, he was sort of like commenting on how hot it was in Japan, <laughs> and I, I kind of wonder. Right, you know, it seemed like that would be the comment that you would make if you were feeling hot and you were in Japan. But well, I don't know. Maybe he flies home for the summer. Yeah. But anyway, uh, regardless of where he actually is, you know, he sits yes. in front of his webcam. Uh, he's written out the lyrics in, you know, Romaji so that you can read it. Uh, and he goes through it just little bit by little bit. Um, so it's, it's sort of like, I mean, I think he even calls it something like, you know, learning Japanese with baby metal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So the idea is that you're, uh, you know, he's using this as a teaching tool, but he's also going through very thoroughly what all the lyrics are. It's great. Um, this song is in five different parts. <laughs> Uh, which you know, winds up being, I, f- I forget how long they e- even are, but it's going to be like an hour or something like that if you want to listen to the whole thing. Through. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it sort of goes in order. So like the first part is pretty much all about the intro that Sue says. And then the second part, you know, kind of goes to the first, you know, actual first part of the song and so forth. So this is the place um, in Dwayne Metal's discussion of this is the place where I actually got that mention of this being kind of a play on the, the drug slogan thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to check it out and it seems true. He also had it. Sure enough. <laughs> it's wild. Um, he also had made a comment, which I thought was kind of good, which is that, uh, you know, like they, they tend to call themselves kawaii metal. Um, but he posited, I guess that, uh, something like positive metal or happy metal or encouraging metal is actually maybe a little bit more, <laughs> more mm, what they are. Based based on this song sure. alone i would totally roll with that yeah well i think i mean i think it is something more than just like you know cuteness <laughs> that's oh yeah there's a, a clear message behind it oh yeah but i mean even just in the band as a whole like not even just the song but i mean like it's it's not just that they're uh it's not just cute metal it's it's sort of like positive <laughs> in a way um mm-hmm. but okay so uh overall the song is basically about um anti-bullying right so bullying it's something like bullying no absolutely <laughs> right and right and and it is you know it's basically a take on this um you know the that name is a take on this like drugs no absolutely campaign but i mean like the actual in the actual song you know the the lyrics go bullying no 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 the, you know the sort of the the theme is essentially that you have someone who's who's sort of like feeling hopeless and alone, you know, sort of caught between light and dark and, and sort of making, I think, a comment that re- recurs throughout this where 
the one who's being bullied is not the only one being hurt, but also um, also those who are sort of watching but not doing anything and having to having to pretend nothing's happening. They're also being hurt by this. And then the the kind of like plot is that uh, I'm done with that. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm letting go of this former me, and I'm you know now going to sort of like forge ahead, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's a very it's a very sort of positive thing. So bullying makes you look bad. Uh, everybody's getting hurt, and and if you're if you do this, you will wind up full of wounds. Uh, in a sort of a wise type saying. There's a little section that's essentially saying fox fly, uh, and you can probably hear this if you think about the song. You know, Kitsune Tobe. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that they repeat in the place where they say dame elsewhere in the song. <laughs> um, they're saying fly, uh, and. Well, maybe I'll come back to that, but there's a weird illusion that Dwayne Metal hypothesizes there. Oh, yeah, and then um, there's, you know, this sort of like fight scene, and then they say something that translates as, full of dearestness, it's pressuring, but also encouraging. This turns out, this is another illusion. So I think, I think I'll, I'll stop talking about the sort of the intrinsic meaning of the song. It's basically, you know, um, I don't want to see you cry anymore. <laughs> you know, no more bullying forever, right? We kind of knew that from the intro, um, but but the, what's really kind of cool about the Dwayne Metal's translations is he's provided some context that Japanese, you know, the people in the Japanese culture would have known, and I had no idea about. So, uh, first of all, before I get into that, you've probably seen where I'm going with this in the notes that we have. But was there anything you wanted to say about the sort of the meaning of the lyrics or song? No, I don't think so. No, other than like I feel like they're probably still relevant to, to this day. This is a timeless song lyrically. True. Yeah. No, I think I th- Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's quite possible that the release of this song did not end bullying. <laughs> well no. <laughs> Unfortunately. I feel like it made a somewhat of an impact, I imagine, but I feel like there should be more songs of this nature. I kinda wonder I wonder how well known this was among like, you know, children their age. Probably not very. Yeah. That's kinda what I was thinking too. Yeah, so when when Dwayne Metal went through this, you know, he was really going through like really word by word, and he would put in these little little side notes. Um, and so one thing that he put in this one, this one, I'm not sure I believe really, but this business about the fox flying. So first of all, yeah, like what is that supposed to be? Foxes don't fly, <laughs> you know. So it's and and actually, it's the song is itself ambiguous. So it's not really clear whether it's supposed to be the fox flying or the fox is telling you to fly or whatever. But um, apparently, Dwayne Metal, Dwayne thinks that this actually is an allusion to uh, a comedian from like 20 years before named Sakagami Jiro, uh, who had like a little sort of like skit, like comedy troupe and was actually super famous and was famous in particular for this thing, which involved him making something like the fox sign. It's not exactly like the fox sign, but it's pretty close. And saying, Tobe, 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 Tobe. <laughs> like, fly, 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 fly. And it at least echoed in Dwayne's mind in a way that I would have no hope of echoing in mine. <laughs> but there's a, there's a bunch of this little stuff. Like, actually, um, there's another place where um, the lyrics say, what do they say? Um, because I'm not hearing it, I'm not going to pronounce it right, but it's something like, Poisite uh, Kinchi. Uh, which which means basically like no throwing out knowing no light throwing out which is in the context of the song you know it's Yue and Mo responding to Sue 
you know, saying, Sue was saying I was about to give up and they're saying like, don't, you know, like don't toss yourself aside so easily, basically. But, um, but the words they use is basically that like what it says on a no littering sign. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's <Which> just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, and I guess the, um, this the last bit that I was uh, going to mention was that this, this part that I would attempted to quote before, um, something like that 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 in fact actually is a song uh from street fighter 2 the animated movie wait what <laughs> so it was apparently <laughs> a super famous popular song that was like the theme song to this um movie it's sort of an animated movie uh street fighter 2 from 1994 no way. This is like that exact sort of sequence of words. And and so Dwayne brought that up and mentioned like, oh yeah, yeah, people had sort of people had arguments about this because these three feelings were not compatible with one another. <laughs> um, huh. But it's like, you know, this so there's all this like there's a fair amount of like current culture embedded in this song. Current in a sense, current like for when from when Koba grew up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, huh. But that's, I guess, another thing why I, why I was thinking, like, those illusions would probably be lost on, you know, the kids at whom this was aimed, right? Right. <laughs> Who knows? And and it's possible that Dwayne was kind of making up some of this stuff, too. But, I mean, like, I would never have been even close to catching any of those. Yeah, sure. Me neither. Uh, okay. Anyway, I don't think I have anything else that I specifically wanted to say about the lyrics. Did I miss something important? I don't feel like you have i think you covered it pretty well okay uh there's so i I put another section in here uh which i guess we didn't assign to anybody but um that had sort of a list of some interviews that uh, they gave sort of promoting the release of the single so there was one in particular um in in marquee volume 94 which there was so they did they did an interview with um sumo and yui uh and there is a translation of that and I think you will have seen this actually if you um if I describe to you the photos that you'll see you've seen the photo shoot because it was it was them with this weird stuffed fox like and a Ouija board and oh, it looks yeah. it looks really creepy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I think they um I think the uh, official Twitter account tweeted one of these photos uh at one point, but um but you know the the photo shoot uh, that that was from is from this marquee volume 94 it turns out that i just like a few days ago got the physical thing um so yeah. i have this magazine the photos are creepy looking <laughs> but <laughs> the other thing too though is that um there's there's actually an art an interview with Koba model in it that as far as i know nobody's ever translated very irritating. Yeah. <laughs> i would have liked to know what he said <laughs> i pointed my phone at it you know with google translate it try to get something out of it. And the, the part that has to do with IDZ is not actually very long. Um, mm. So I don't think, you know, I don't think there was, I don't think we missed much, but it's, but I thought it was interesting that this is relatively prominent and uh, it never did get translated. Yeah. I'd say. So it's interesting. This is 2012. Um, this is one of the things that uh, Sue Metal says, agreeing with UA Metal um, is that uh, she thinks that her voice has matured and grown up. Oh, this is 2012. <laughs> oh ladies just you wait 
but um and uh Ewe and Mo talked a little bit about recording uh this being this being one of their first experiences where they were recording in separate rooms i guess you know for sound mm-hmm. isolation but they could see each other mm-hmm. through the glass so there's a couple things i don't know we may have links we may have links on our website we may have a website we'll see <laughs> that that all <laughs> of these tuned. things are possibilities um but <laughs> yeah some of these some of these links are kind of like too minor to put in the the major show notes but i think we are planning on having a spot where all these links go so yes uh let's see how's it going <laughs> i feel like i've been talking for a while <laughs> we're chugging along we're chugging along all right i'm slowly losing my voice <laughs> okay um okay maybe the last thing i'll mention i i have mentioned this before yeah so maybe i don't need to say it again Omara, you know, if you if you're interested in seeing Omara playing it by himself, it's pretty cool to watch these videos. Uh, and even if you don't know Japanese at all, you can totally still follow along. It's very very easy to follow. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say there there uh, there are a couple of English words that show up on the screen. I'm not even convinced that those weren't in the original, <laughs> uh, but it certainly is not translated. But it doesn't matter. You know, you can sort of tell you can tell what he's doing and. Uh, Sometimes he will sing along with the notes, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I don't know. It's been, we've been recording for a long time. Maybe this is good enough, but there's a lot of stuff about this song. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Anyway, th- so next time, I think, you know, we're going to be still in the in the midst of the European tour two weeks from now. I, I haven't even checked to see what, what places they will have played, but um, I don't think this, there's no expected news. That's going to happen between now and then. Not that we know of. Yeah. I think they'll be coming up on the Russia show around that time, maybe a little bit after. Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking that we talked, I think, I forget if it was during the recording or just after, about maybe doing uh, Song 4 as the topic for next time. Uh, I haven't looked into it, so I don't know. I, I think it's going to be nowhere near as full of stuff as... IDZ was, but there's there are you know a number of things that are sort of interesting about it. Do we think that we can stretch that enough to be a topic? I think we can pull it off. I think so. Yeah, I like the song. I, I yeah, there'll be there'll be enough to talk about it. So I think that's what we'll do. Um, next time we will talk about song four. Um, it's like its origin story. Um, you know, maybe something about why it's even a thing. You know, like what why why one needs to rehabilitate the number four and that sort of thing. <laughs> so, um, oh, I guess I never did talk about the, the context thing that I was going to mention up at the top, but maybe I will sort of wedge that in here. It's, I'm sort of continuing to promote my, my theory about the original concept that Koba had, but um, it really does feel like this thing that we saw with IDZ sort of like, you know, grabbing things from the local context, like the, the anti-drug ads and, you know, the, the no littering thing and the lyrics and stuff like that. And and all the stuff from X-Japan, which they get it, not just here in the, you know, the X choreography, the dummy choreography, but but also like the neck brace comes from them. And there's, uh, I forget what show it was, but it might have been like Legend D or something. There were there was one of these shows where they were playing like a, where you and Mo were at a crystal piano on the stage. And that's, you know, that's straight out of X-Japan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to me, like uh, this kind of makes it even more convincing to me that that kind of what what Koba was going for was he was kind of imagining what it would be like 
seeing the spectacle and the energy of a heavy metal performance, but sort of as perceived and mis or reinterpreted by young girls from the J-pop world. So it's not... <laughs> I can get behind that. I mean, it's not like this is what Sue, Yui, and Moa perceived and went and did, but but it's sort of like the project is essentially that like they're seeing these things that they don't entirely understand. They don't have the context for them, but they see these big theatrics that look fun to do, right? And mm-hmm. and Extrapan is a good target for this because they're kind of public enough that people are going to understand what they're referencing and they're Japanese and they're um, and they're melodic in this way. And so it really just seemed like, you know, this what's what's happened here is they've they've taken uh like things that these girls would be interested in or care about or concerned about, like bullying and and they've, you know, taken the big production that they see in their, you know, in their environment and are trying to replicate. And it really does feel like that's what they've done. You know, like that was kind of the hook at the beginning. And I like it. I mean, like, I, I think it is actually a really like creative thing, you know, and I, th- I think it, I think it has morphed from that, you know, now it is a little bit more sort of intrinsically earnest <laughs> or, you know, honest or something. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as much of a parody as it was, you know, and I think even, even before there was, there was, you know, some real sort of sincere art behind it, but, um, but at the same time, it was, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a caricature. <laughs> So, oh, interesting. That's kind of weird to have that perspective. Anyway, I thought it was, I this as I was looking into this, as it was definitely what uh, I was feeling. You know, as I was reading through all this stuff, that that uh, like this really does seem like what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. Anyway, so and that concludes my saying that next time we'll talk about song four. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah. So anyway, it's. It's uh, we're still trying to figure out exactly what um, you know, what good topics would be to do as we continue doing the podcast in the absence of uh, big news. I mean, like the, it's great that the concerts are happening, and I'm, and everyone who's getting them coming to their cities, I'm sure, is delighted by this. But at the you know, at the same time, we can only say, and they played at X <laughs> so many times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if you as a listener here have ideas about like things we should do. Let us know. We'd be happy to get ideas from you. <laughs> um, if we can think of the people that we might uh, interview from the community or something like that, that might be fun to do. I have some ideas for that. Maybe we can. Maybe we can get Koba. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Seriously though, if you uh, if you can think of ideas, so both I, I think both IDZ, but certainly Song Four came from ideas from out there. So um, we'd be happy to hear about that. So any closing thoughts? either of you have i feel like idz needs to be listened to more since they took a two-year break from playing it and then brought it back metal galaxy maybe they're trying to bring it back a little bit like they haven't really had the opportunity to play it again since then but i would like to see it played more i think it's deserving i don't want it to be be a one-off thing at metal galaxy that's an interesting point i wonder I hadn't actually given that a whole lot of thought, but you're right. I mean, like, I, I was it was exciting to have it come back, and it's interesting to talk about it today and stuff. But maybe it was from their perspective, it was like a a feeler to see how the crowd would react to bringing it back without Yui, which I feel is overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, I cannot imagine it having gone any other way. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, but, but I mean, like, they did have the ad- advantage of having like all the Avengers, and like it was a big, it was a big weird event. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. I think we can probably we can probably leave it there. And 
then so write to us and do whatever give us ideas and we will come back in two weeks and talk about song four and then decide what we're going to do after that so that's it for this episode um, you can join us in the baby metal podcast discord to continue the conversation rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it so please do that and until then see you